You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game in Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care, whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive into the episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group. We have over 2,500 members. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. We are back after a week off. It feels like an eternity by now. I was out six-day vacation to Iceland. Definitely recommend an international trip. It was amazing. Views were incredible. Definitely a place to visit if you haven't. Bryson, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday? Good, man. Glad to be back and uh, glad to talk football again with you. We have a lot to get into tonight, and I'm excited to to chop it up with you and, and give the people what they want. Yeah, a lot has happened while we were away. Christian McCaffrey and Robbie Anderson have both been traded. We were talking before we hit the record button, and the last time we talked was the first game of Steve Wilkes. We didn't even get to really talk about that game, but Let's get into the trades, and we'll start with Christian McCaffrey because it's the most recent. Bryson, I just want to know your thoughts, feelings on the trade, the compensation for him, arguably the best Panther, and he is gone now. Yeah, I think um, to like initially when the report came out, I was a little upset because I thought we could get more. Um, I thought he was worth at least a first, and then obviously with with time passing and, and understanding that the value that they did get was a, it was a second a third a fourth and a fifth right and uh that kind of equals out to a first round pick um and that's what Scott Fitter had mentioned as well in his presser uh they did get you know significant compensation for a running back i feel like Christian is more than a running back but overall i think it's a trade that helps both teams uh you know, it didn't really look great for the 49ers week one or week one with Christian, but obviously he'll get integrated into that offense and they'll use him more and 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 he and they will win some games because of him. So uh, I was kind of I've, I've been on the train with to trade Christian McCaffrey for a while, I think. And uh, if we would have done it earlier, you know, maybe we could have got more if we would have done it before his injuries or before the contract or whatever. But he's gone. Uh, I think it freed up a substantial amount of cap space starting next season. There, there is some dead cap, uh, but uh, I, I think it freed up closer to $20 million in cap space for Carolina. So um, they got the compensation, they freed up cap. And I think, you know, just judging from this past weekend, which we'll get into it, it really kind of opened things up for the offense. So uh, I was happy overall, I would say. Yeah, I was just I was trying to look at the dead cap hit for him. 18 mil next year. And we'll get into Robbie, but he's got a nine million dollar hit for the Panthers, which isn't ideal. Yeah, I'm I mean, I lo- I loved Christian McCaffrey. Had a jersey, thought he was a generational type player. Obviously, the injuries kind of hindered him in Carolina. Um, over the last couple years, I didn't think trading him was worth it because I didn't think they would get the right compensation for it. Um, like you, I kind of wanted the first the first round pick. I I mean, I get I get the second, third, and fourth, and fifth. I guess it equals out to a one or cl- damn near close to it. So that was kind of disappointing seeing that, but where the team is and the state of this team and the the contract he was given at the height of his, of his career in Carolina third year in, he gets his contract. Um, I understand it. I get it. They need to make this team a little bit more appealing when it comes to a new coach and what does a new coach want? They want picks. So I get it. I understand it. And this kind of gives them a little bit more, ammo to trade up if they don't get a top two pick based off the record at the end of the year. So I get it. Um, it sucks. It's weird. I don't like seeing him in a red and white Jersey. I never thought it would happen to be totally honest with you after all of his injuries. 
I think I thought he would be a Panther for a pretty damn long time. I like the guy. I think he's, I respect him. Um, as you can tell, I don't have a lot of negative to say about him besides of him just not being healthy, but um, I get it. I understand it. And I think we will see uh, moving forward what they make out of these picks. They better hit on some of these because they get a lot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, four, four picks may, they got to make 50, uh, 50% of those right at the very minimum. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on Christian. I thought I saw, I thought I saw something, I think it was last week or the week before, which I thought was interesting. If Carolina had not extended him and kept him on his original rookie contract, they could have picked up his fifth year option. I think like saved like 30 or $40 million and they still would have been in the same spot they are right now, which is just, it goes to show you how stupid um, general managers and management can be when they sign these long-term deals because they really fucked themselves on that. So, yeah, absolutely. What, what did, what did you make of the reported offer from the Rams? That was basically, it was the same picks, but included Cam Akers. And uh, I think the fourth and the fifth were in uh, 2024 and the second and third were in 2023, but it included a running back. I didn't see that. So, uh, uh, it was reported by Dove Kleiman or whatever his name is on Twitter. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was the offer from the Rams, but they ended up going with the 49ers offer. And So it was a second and third this year, Cam yeah. Akers, and a fourth and fifth in 2024? Yeah, that was their offer, and, and they went with the 49ers, which was the same picks, but all in 2023 and no player. So I, I think that's interesting, but – uh, I think maybe Cam Akers might have been negative value on that trade, <laughs> judging from his uh, his recent um, you know activity with that team. So yeah, and 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 maybe they just believe in Foreman and Chuba, and 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 I think that possibly paid off. You know, uh, this past weekend, which we'll get into. But, um, but is yeah. is Foreman on a one year deal with Carolina, or is it? Yeah, he he signed a one year deal this offseason, Yeah, that is interesting. I. I didn't know that. I, I I thought I I thought I had heard that you know Rams had very similar in the fourth round pick is what tipped them off the edge. But based off that report, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I looked at it at this way: is who do you think is going to finish better? And to me, I think they're. I don't know. I think maybe. I mean, we'll see that the Rams kind of slip off this year, and I don't know if they have. Does San Fran or does uh, Los Angeles finish with a better record? Because that's the that's how you got to look at it. I yeah. I feel like if it, if it's that close and similar, and I and it looks like Carolina's basing or hoping and betting that the 49ers are going to finish worse than the Rams are. I mean that's that, that's the only way that makes sense if that report's true. Yeah. So that's. That's kind of where I was at it when I saw that. Now I'm curious to see what Buffalo offered in that trade. Um, I think I, I, I think I saw it. their offer was just like a third or fourth round pick, and that was it. Yeah, that ain't worth it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, it, it was interesting, and and I think if that was what it came down to, uh, picking what team would be better, I think they cho- they made the right choice because I wouldn't count out the Rams for. I mean, they're coming off a Super Bowl win. I wouldn't count them out for anything to turn it around and uh, get healthier and, and and make a run at the playoffs and another potential Super Bowl run. So, uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo has looked awful for San Francisco. So, uh, I think they they made the right choice between the two. Well, and I I mean, looking at both teams, they're going to finish in the top or back half of the league, twenty and up. So it's, I mean, you're picking maybe a couple picks before. I don't I don't think it's going to be much. I think San Fran is still a pretty decent team that no matter what that's going to be damn near close at where they finish um in that bottom half of in the drafting order. So, I mean, it's you kind of roll the dice and hope hope you get lucky there. But it's interesting to look back and think I know there was a lot of fans when they were thinking of the contract extension is why don't we deal them? And not and what it what would have happened if they would have dealt him back then? I mean, he definitely would have gotten they would have gotten at least the first rounder for him. 
the very minimum. So just something to think about and kind of dwell on in the past a little bit on that trade. But yeah, it's definitely going to be weird. And I'm glad they don't play them the rest of the year. So, <laughs> But you never know, maybe a wild card. No, we're not <laughs> talking about that. <laughs> That's a little insane. But let's talk about Robbie Anderson because we didn't even get to dissect what happened after that game because we haven't talked after that game where we all have seen it by now. He got into it with a wide receivers coach. Steve Wilkes kicked him out um, late in the game, sent him to the showers. And then a day later, the Panthers – I think was it a day later? I think it was a day later, Panthers. 12 hours first. later. <laughs> yeah. So Monday, Monday, early afternoon, he was out to Arizona for future picks. It looks like a six-rounder in – 2024 and then a seventh rounder in 2025 they're really lucky to get anything I didn't know I I thought if they weren't going to be able to deal him he'd have been cut at some point that was you bring in an interim coach and you have that happen in the first game did not look good that whole it just looked dysfunctional on the sideline with with Robbie um Matt Rule, I feel like, was great for him to kind of cool him down and keep him tempered. And the minute he left, the entire wheels fell off that bus. And, and the any little thing, I think, was going to set him off no matter what. If you don't go look at the Robbie Anderson interview after Matt Rule was fired, there was not one goddamn smile on that guy's face at all. He looked pissed off. And again, any little thing was going to set him off. The game plan was weird for that week. They didn't pass the ball much. Didn't really agree with how they offensive game plan that in that game. And Robbie got pissed. He wasn't getting the ball. And, you know, it transpired from there. I'm just happy they got a couple picks out of it. But again, the dead money hit is not is not great. It's not ideal. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's a reoccurring thing for Carolina with, with the dead cap pits. We're always in dead cap hell, but but yeah, I think the whole situation was not a good look for Robbie. Um, you know, DJ Moore has dealt with the same exact problems as him, and DJ Moore has kept quiet and just did, did his job. And I think Robbie was just a cancer. Um, he was a Matt Rule guy, and when Matt Rule was fired, Robbie got butt hurt and wanted his coach around, and really wasn't gonna. He was gonna go out of his way to to pretty much force a trade. And and like you said, we were lucky to get something out of him because we were almost in a position where we had to cut him and, and get nothing in return. So to get a sixth and a seventh was, was good by Fitterer. And um, I'm glad he's gone and, and hopefully he does well in, in Arizona. I mean, I understand his frustrations and, but I think he went about it wrong, especially during a game, getting in the coach's face is just very unprofessional. Um, and, and maybe he flourishes in Arizona. Maybe he doesn't. That's a pretty crowded, crowded wide receiver room out there. So I wish him the best. Yeah, it's really sad to look back and think when he first got here and he had his that thousand yard season, his best season in the NFL. You, I would have never guessed him falling off after that. I thought at least he would have continued in that eight to thousand yard season. He had five hundred last year. Obviously, a quarterback play played into that. But just looking at his numbers over the last three years is – I would have never guessed that uh, as how good he looked in that first year with Teddy Bridgewater. He really flourished. So, I mean, if you can tap into that and get back to that. Um, but like you said, it's a very crowded room in Arizona, and that team seems like a mess in its own right as well <laughs> right now uh, between – Cliff and Kyler going at it on the sidelines. I think that happened this past weekend. That's that that's a that's a boiling pot of water waiting to boil over there too as well. That that doesn't look like a great situation. But enough about the trades for now. We got we'll talk about some in a little bit here. But let's talk about the game this weekend because for the second time this season we had a victory Monday, which was good. Um, it's kind of bittersweet, really. Uh, yeah, if you think about it long term, 
But I just want to get your thoughts on the game itself. Would you see? Would you like? Um, for I didn't get to see the game. I actually watched it yesterday. Um, I recorded it, so I got to see it yesterday, and I, I kind of caught bits and pieces of it, pieces of it on Sunday when it was happening live. But just your initial thoughts on the win? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it was exciting. Obviously, uh, all facets of the ball uh, of of the game, Carolina really excelled. I don't think that they struggled in in really any area. Um, I guess maybe Shy Smith on punt return was probably the worst part of the game where he muffed a punt and called for a fair catch almost at the one-yard line and uh, just not really a, a very good situational awareness guy at punt return. And I think Steve Wilkes even said this week that he's going to stick with Shy Smith, so hopefully that improves. But obviously when you run for 170 yards and your offensive line plays up to the level that they did, uh, shout out to Bradley Bozeman, the highest-graded center in uh, the NFL by pro football focus at like a 94. Uh, I mean, everybody in the offensive line played well uh, that day. Uh, DJ Moore finally caught a touchdown and uh, was targeted. Uh, Terrace Marshall, his coming out game, I guess, a little bit, um, should have caught the first pass of the game. That was on him. But then he bounced back and, and caught a couple others. So that was good. And uh, the defense, holding Tom Brady to three points and – yeah, we got lucky with the Mike Evans drop pass. That would have been a 75-yard touchdown to start the game. Um, Dante was getting burnt all game, I, I will say that. Uh, I don't know why they just didn't keep going after him, but Dante was lost in coverage versus Mike, Mike Evans pretty much all day. And uh, I think once J.C. Horn comes back and Jeremy Chin comes back, the secondary is going to improve even more. And the defense is just playing up to a level that really we thought that they could get to under Wilkes and uh, – the defensive coordinator that's slipping my mind right now, Al, Al Holcomb. And, uh, yeah, I, I was excited. And, and like you said, it kind of was bittersweet because in the back of your mind, yes, you're thinking, I, I want the, the quarterback, I want Bryce Young, I want C.J. Stroud. But, I mean, we're 2-0 and in the division. We're only one game out of first place. And I'm going to have – I'm going to hold hold out hope until the very last minute that Carolina um, – until they don't have a chance. And, and I understand that. That probably isn't the best thing to do for the future, but I want my team to win, and I'm always going to cheer for them to win. I'm not going to be sad when they when they win, uh, but also if they lose, I'm not going to be as sad as I would be, you know, go, coming into the season. So I'm in a very, which I think a lot of Panthers fans are, a very uh, precarious spot. And uh, if they win, that's good, and if they lose, that's good. So uh, overall, happy. The team looked the best it's looked in a long time, and. Uh, hopefully they can build off of this and, and continue to stack some wins and make the NFC South uh, you know, way more interesting. Yeah, I think fans are just so tired of, you know, they're not used to winning. So when we do get the wins, it's it just feels so fucking great, to be totally honest with you. Uh, but you hit on a lot of the points. I thought Bozeman had a hell of a game. It's good to see him get the opportunity. It came at the expense of Elfline, who was playing pretty damn well for the Panthers. But it's good to know that they have depth. And Bozeman came in and kept right on, you know, pushing those piles and just making plays and opening up shit for the running backs. And that was good to see. And I love him. I love him and his family. I've never met them, but they seem like great people. And I hope that they can get lock him down for a, you know a couple more years because I think it would be worth it. Um, TMJ, it was good to see him getting involved. You mentioned the drop pass sucked. That would have been nice. I think that would open the game up even more than what it was. Um, but it's good to see him getting involved. And it's really with a lot of guys getting involved that you haven't seen under Matt Rule. And that's what I'm really liking about Steve Wilkes is he's, you know, this team is in such a weird state right now. You don't know if they're, you know, you don't know if, you know, they're going for the first round pick. Are they, you know, they're shooting for the playoffs. They're in a very weird spot because like you said, they're only what one game out of first place right now. So But where they're at, Steve Wilkes is playing some of these other guys, whether it's through injury or just, you know, giving these guys a chance. 
he kind of preached about that when he came in. But you're getting to see more guys like Tay Hayes playing, Keith Taylor playing because of injury. TMJ is now getting more of an opportunity. Deontay Foreman's getting more of an opportunity now that Christian McCaffrey's gone. And even when Christian was here, Foreman saw the field more under Wilkes than he did under Matt Rule. Chuba Hubbard's getting more involved too now. So you're seeing that more, and I am like I like that. Uh, Matt Rule didn't do a lot of that. It was just the same same old shit. Shai Smith, uh, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson at wideouts. You never saw a big rotation. It was just like, oh, let's you know keep just keep throwing those guys in, keep throwing those guys in, hoping it was going to change. Nothing was changing. You got to change shit to see if it's going to get better. And that was just the constant, just fucking running in circles. It seemed like Wilkes. He's throwing guys in. It kind of reminds me of uh, Ron Rivera. I think it was the same year when they went seven and nine and ended up making the playoffs um, in that god awful division in 2014. And I think they went on a win streak there. But he was playing. You know, he was playing younger guys, giving those guys opportunities. He did that early on in his career, and you know the the team went on a late late run, and that's kind of what I'm getting the sense of what this team is. Um, these young guys are getting opportunities and this team is really playing um, cohesive football right now. And I hope that continues offensively because we didn't see that. And I don't want to get too hyped about it because we've seen it before with this team that offensively, they just, they might get it together one game, they'll come back and it's just a whole different story the next game. But overall, we didn't even talk about this guy yet much, and I wanted to. P.J. Walker played a pretty damn good game. Um, had some big-time throws. Was like top – I think it was like top three in the league for big-time throws. Yeah. This week over yep. several guys that the likes of, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. He played a pretty damn good game. Good game planning. They threw the ball more, which they needed to do the week prior – and PJ stepped up to plate and delivered. On that note, though, I wanted oh, I wanted to I wanted to talk about Xavier Woods. Good guy, love him. But you got he's gotta catch the damn ball, dude. <laughs> like seriously, yeah. I saw one someone on ESPN said he's got brick hands. He does. Like he he's he tweeted had, it too. He oh did he? <laughs> yeah, he tweeted oh, okay. a, a brick emoji in hands. Yeah, he like he is a fantastic player. That was a great signing this offseason. But he has had chances at three or four interceptions this year, and he just can't come down with them. So get on that jugs machine. I mean, I, I think I could have caught that ball on Sunday, one of those. Like, seriously, get your shit together there. Because th when you're playing good teams, you want to string together wins. Those plays are going to come up, and those plays are going to be more crucial down the stretch if you actually start wanting to start winning games and try to make a run at a divisional at the division and yeah. dropping those are going to become way more crucial. He got away with it this week because they won, but you know, down the stretch, you're going to be talking about that. Um, I also thought Dante Jackson struggled. I feel like he was playing a weight. I think I feel like he was playing off coverage and worried about not getting burnt a lot in that game. So he was giving up a lot of the stuff underneath. Uh, maybe they were playing zone, I guess. Maybe that played into it a little bit. But overall, I thought the team played pretty damn well. Um, you mentioned the Mike Evans drop. I think if he makes that play, it's a whole different game. I seriously do. Yeah, I agree. I think that would have given, given them momentum, and it would have changed the whole complexity of things. Uh, and it was very costly, and that's something you don't see out of Mike Evans. was very, very, very odd. But, yeah. I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy they got the win. I wish I would have been there this weekend to experience it because I would have loved to walk out of that stadium talking shit to Buccaneers fans and seeing Tom Brady uh, waltz his ass on out of Bank of America Stadium with hopefully his last time ever there and after this year. But yeah, I want to talk about PJ. Well, no, let's we'll talk about Chuba to start. Are you still out on Chuba here? Or is, oh, you God, yes. I'm still okay. out. I'm okay. still out. Uh, yeah, I, I I tweeted during the game, Chuba still sucks. I mean, 
He first of all, he dropped a very important third down pass uh, that PJ Walker put I right in the basket. I thought he when I saw and, that play. And um, <laughs> he can't catch for shit. He's probably got worse hands than Xavier Woods. So uh, there's that. Um, and then the offensive line was opening up holes big enough where I could have scored touchdowns. So I'm not giving him credit for that. I mean, it, it sure he scored a touchdown and had a decent game, but. I'm still out on him. Foreman should get most of the carries, and 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 Chuba should spell him, I guess, or Blackshear give Blackshear an opportunity. I really think that Blackshear is a good player, so um, I just I'm not a fan of Chuba. I, like he still he still had runs uh, where he was stumbling, where he could have easily gotten way more. Um, he trips over himself. I don't understand it. I, I, he's just so clumsy. We're lucky he didn't fumble. Um, I'm very happy he didn't. But uh, the the more carries you give him, uh, the more chances he's going to fumble. And, and it's a pretty high chance, in my opinion. So, just not a fan of Chuba. I'm just saying nine carries, 63 yards, seven yards, average a rush. Yeah, and you saw what that <laughs> offensive line was doing. No, they, they played well. I had to ask it because I was curious. But I, I wanted to give my shout-outs to P.J. Walker because uh, – since you did, yeah, go uh, ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I thought that PJ, I, you know, coming into the game and, and the game off the game last week with with uh versus LA, I had very low hopes and I didn't think PJ really was a quarterback that you could win with. And uh, my god, he proved me wrong and I couldn't be happier. Uh, like you mentioned, he had six big time throws by uh pro football focus last uh, in this past game, which is more than Baker Mayfield's had all season. Uh, PJ through passes that we haven't seen thrown in Carolina in a long time. Uh, I mean, the the touchdown to Tommy Trimble and the touchdown to DJ Moore were both just absolute dimes of passes. Uh, the offensive line helped him quite a bit, giving him time. But I think even, even when he didn't and he did that little rollout to the left that he threw to DJ Moore on the sideline where DJ Moore had the nice toe tap, that was an absolute dime. I mean, I can't say enough about PJ, and he earned the starting job. Uh, highest graded quarterback from that week in week seven, higher than Patrick Mahomes, higher than any other quarterback uh, was PJ Walker. So, so uh, on that note, on that note, while you're talking about it, cause I wanted to, I wanted to ask this and discuss this. Does PJ Walker deserve to start this week? Oh, absolutely. I was just about to, to say that, but yeah, I think he's played the best game that we've seen all season from the quarterback position uh, for this team. Um, you know, Baker we, Baker's week one game was was probably Baker's best, in my opinion, um, just because of the fourth quarter. But PJ just commanded the the huddle, uh, made his checks, got the team where they needed to be, didn't make any mistakes. I just he did everything right on Sunday. I don't know how you can move off of that. And like Wilk said, like it's it's going to be hard to bench him, even with you know Sam coming back and Baker coming back. So. Uh, they can keep holding them clipboards on the sideline and watch Baker play some really – or watch uh, P.J. play some really good football. And I think we might have another week in store for us. So. Yeah, man. I. It's sad. It really is sad. <laughs> that Very Darnold sad. and Mayfield are sitting on the sideline and P.J. Walker is their starting quarterback when we literally – and I'll admit it – in summer – I've said it several times. You can go back and listen. There is no chance P.J. Walker is making this roster. <laughs> and here we are, week eight, and I'm asking you, does P.J. deserve to start again this week? I mean, it is – it's 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 comedy, man. It really is. It's crazy. I kind of get it. I get I, – I don't know if – I don't know if I want to word it this way or what, but I do think he should get another start because he's winning. Um, but at some point, if, when, if the train falls off again and they play like they did two weeks ago, I think they need to go back to either Darnold or Mayfield um, and see what they got when they're healthy. But, I mean, he played well. He It's, it's hard. They're going to look foolish if they go back to one of these other guys when he's playing so well. So it's kind of that fine line that Wilkes has got to juggle. And it's going to be, you know, he's going to be criticized no matter what he does on this. Yeah. If he sticks with PJ, if he goes back to one of them, um, I do think PJ starts another week. 
Um, well, it looks hard. He said that PJ starting, so he did. But did you listen to that entire press conference? Because it almost seemed like he was kind of waiting also to see what the hell was going to happen on Wednesday with the reports. He was like, "Yeah, PJ is going to start, but we uh, it we'd like to see what what the report says on Wednesday." So I do think he is going to play. I do think he is going to start, but it almost didn't seem like a definitive like he's the starter, no questions asked. Yeah, um, I, I I did get that a little bit. Um, but if he, I mean, if he were to bench PJ after that game, one of the best quarterback performances we've seen in a long time in Carolina, uh, I think it would be pretty obvious that. Um, they were committing to the tank. I mean, you can't just yeah, throw it's... throw Baker and Sam back in when neither of them have played good football for Carolina. And well, I don't even mean to get into that conspiracy, but I was kind of thinking that, like, what if Wednesday they say we're going back to Baker or Darnold? And I I would think that would be cur- like that's how you lose you a lot. Guys, of are you guys trying to <laughs> go for that? But do they really need to tank? Even if they do string together some wins, I think they might have the capital if they really want to go up and get a guy, they probably could. But then you look at it, Lions, number one pick. They need Mm -hmm. a quarterback. Number two right now is another team that needs a quarterback. I don't know what it is. Houston. Yes, Houston. Both of those teams need a QB. So who the hell are you trading with there? Yeah. So, again, long way to go. We don't need to get into that now yet, but definitely think it's interesting. Again, PJ played well. I do. I will say this. I do want to see Baker without Matt Rule. I want to see if that changes anything. So I do hope at some point he does get another opportunity if, you know, things start falling apart here with PJ. Uh, again, I never, I don't want to see Sam Darnold again. I don't. I don't want that guy on this team anymore, but if he plays, he plays, but yeah, I would, I, that is one thing I would like to see if, if anything does change with Matt rule, not on the team anymore, our coaching and Baker with this offense, just to see, cause I feel like there has been some changes on how this team is run. And I think that actually might be in favor of Baker. They looks like they're running a lot more, more play action and, Less, I mean, it's at least to me, and I don't know if you've noticed this, less RPO, it seems like. They still run it, but there's it just seems like there's a different style to this offense a little bit. There's a lot more pre-snap motion, which is really good um, for yes. the quarterback uh, to determine what kind of defense is out there. So I like that a lot because I think under rule, they were like the, the last team lowest in the league for pre-snap motion. So it seems like every snap now they got somebody running back and forth in the backfield to see if it's man or zone. So. Uh, I like that a lot. And yeah, I, I guess it would be interesting to see what Baker could do um, with Matt Rule not around. But then again, you just can't bench PJ Walker right now. There's no way, unless you are trying to lose games, that you bench PJ Walker after that last game against the number five defense in the NFL. It's not like the Bucs are some shit defense. I understand that some of their corners were out, but they, for the most part, they had everybody except for a couple corners. PJ killed that defense. They. I mean, he just – he was beating them all day long. So, uh, the Falcons, uh, they're going to be missing A.J. Terrell, I think. I mean, I think their top two corners they're missing, actually, uh, Hayward as well. So, he's going to have another another feast maybe on Sunday. So, I think if they pull him, I just – I'll really be questioning what the motive is. Yeah, I, I, th- I think – I mean, if I was putting a percentage on it, I mean, I'd say 90 to 95% he's starting this week. I mean, I don't – there's I – mean, Wilkes already has said it on Monday. We're going to hear it tomorrow, Wednesday, when when this episode drops later in the day. But I think without a doubt he's probably going to be starting again. And, you know, with the way he played on Sunday, he deserves it. Um, that was the word I didn't know if I wanted to say or not, but yeah, I think you'd look at the third down conversion rate. I don't think they've ever had a third down conversion rate this season that they had on Sunday. He just, he extended drives and extended plays and you kind of, you mentioned it before, but some of those throws that the Tommy Tremble and the DJ Moore one, we have not seen that all year with any of these with Baker. Baker was the only other guy. Yeah. Baker. 
just I don't know what was this. The offense just seemed. I don't know, man. I don't know what the word is for it, but out of sorts, just it, is, it just didn't look right. It didn't. It wasn't a functional offense whatsoever. And PJ has kind of brought it to life a little bit. And I also think the the uh, the Wilkes effect on the offense, his style of what he wants the offense to looks like, is also starting to take shape. And I feel like it should have been that way from the start of the season and kind of what we were, at least what I was kind of expecting run playoff to play action. And we're kind of starting to see that a lot more. And they're using two running back sets. They weren't using that. It was like Christian McCaffrey come in five, six plays, then maybe Foreman for one, then Christian McCaffrey comes back in and then like sprinkle Chuba in for one. And it was just like guys bouncing in. It's just very dysfunctional. Uh, offensively and now you're seeing Foreman and Hubbard in at the same time and when McCaffrey was here it was Foreman and uh McCaffrey in the backfield that's how it should have been all year yeah so I don't know and, I need quick uh, griping about that but yeah it's just I, I got I got two more points I wanted to add um first I think uh PJ Walker's teammates love him and they really respect him through for what he went through in training camp being a guy that was on the fringe and looking like he wasn't going to make the roster bearing some injury that did happen. Did happen. So um, I think his teammates really respect him. And you can see that, you know, even after the game with tweets and in post-game interviews, um, they really believe in PJ and they want PJ to succeed. So I think that's that plays in a lot that if something crazy were to happen where he was benched, that locker room would, would probably, you know, fall in shambles. But also – wanted to make the point that I also I also tweeted this. Wouldn't it be crazy that Matt Rule throughout his whole entire coaching career was trying to find a quarterback and he had PJ Walker with him throughout his whole entire coaching career as a backup and PJ Walker ends up being the quarterback that Matt Rule was looking for. Yeah, no, I saw that. I it's it's definitely that would be wild. <laughs> that that would just that would be like the ultimate – if I was Matt Rule, I'd be sick to my fucking stomach. Because, I mean, Matt Rule has believed – in you know, Matt Rule brought P.J. Walker in and re-signed him. And even when P.J. Walker was re-signed, I remember a lot of Panthers fans, what the hell, like, P.J. Walker sucks. Why is he coming back? And uh, why, why is he a backup? He should go back to yeah, XFL, blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, he blah. wouldn't play on any other team. Yeah, that's yeah. something. Yep. And I was probably one of those guys at the time, but – uh, for PJ Walker to come in and play like he did last weekend, and if if he can build off of that, oh my God, you better stay away from my Twitter because I'm gonna have some takes that it's gonna get the people heated uh, about PJ Walker um, if he stacks another game like he did this past game. One well, uh, back to the locker room comments. You said everyone loves an underdog. I mean, this is like true underdog story, and this team really is like the underdog story that no one thought they were gonna win this past weekend. Not one person thought they were going to win. Like, well, I shouldn't say that. My wife's my wife's brother texted me on Sunday and said, "I have a weird feeling. Panthers nineteen, Bucks seventeen. Panthers win." And then they ended up winning. I was like, and so I guess I guess there was one outlier out there. But I mean, cards stacked against them. You just lost. You just trade away your best player and to come out. For Steve Wilkes to get that locker room, keep them tight knit, and then come out and put out that game plan, and then for the guys to execute and PJ Walker to play well, I mean it, it was good to see. Um, but on that note, why don't we talk? Are we good with the PJ Walker talk? Oh, and, and real quick, I just want to shout out uh, Ben McAdoo and Al Holcomb because they both called great games. I mean, we've we've been on Ben McAdoo's case all year, and rightfully so, but he caught a hell of an offensive game uh, this past weekend, and, and Al Holcomb called, called a hell of a defensive game, holding the GOAT to three points. So um, shout out to both of those coordinators, and I hope that they can continue to build off of that. Yeah, one thing that needs to be fixed, though, and I will say this because it wasn't all – flowers and butterflies and whatever else you want to call it and sunshine they need to get rolling faster i mean what they scored those two touchdowns in the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter did they score both those touchdowns in the fourth quarter i'm not entirely sure but 
for this team, if they want to actually start clicking, they need like when they play actual teams like the the Buccaneers. I shouldn't say they're not an actual team, but a team that puts <laughs> up points offensively. Yeah, they're gonna need to. You got to match that. So yeah. defensively, you're not gonna have games where you hold teams to three points every week. It's not gonna happen. You're yeah. gonna have the Tom Brady connect to Mike Evans. You're gonna have Tom Brady hit a guy here or whatever, and you're going to have to get going offensively early. They were kind of stagnant there in the middle of the game, which they usually are. And um, if they actually want to, you know, string together some wins and make a run for the division, that's going to have to happen because you're going to have teams that are going to, they're going to match you and you got to make those things happen. So defend again, they did, they did call great games, but they need to figure out things to get things going mm. a little bit quicker. And they tried that. They had the TMJ. They had the right call. PJ yeah. made the throw. You got to make the catch. So like that, it's they're trying. They just they got them. It's got to come quicker. Yeah. And uh, on on that note, you made me think of something. If you have a fifty-four yard field goal, why are you not kicking the fifty-four yard field goal? Because Pinero's made a longer field goal than that already this season. Um, sometimes Steve Wilkes is just play, he plays ultra conservative, like scared to he he's he's playing not to lose, and I I hope that doesn't come back to bite him in the future. Um, because in that game there were there were a couple fourth fourth downs that I thought he should have gone for that a lot of people thought he should have gone for, and the the field goal, uh, and then just even in L.A. just like taking the knee and running out the clock instead of at half, but right before half going down and trying to score. So um, hopefully that's not a continued trend that we see out of Wilkes, but I think that. When you're within a field within field goal range where your kicker's shown he can make it, I really don't understand why you don't take the field goal. Yeah, I was thinking, what the hell are you doing at that point on the 54 yarder? You got to take that chance. Uh, he is definitely like old school football. Rely on the defense, like, and he is. It seems like headstrong in his ways of that's what he's going to go with. Yeah, and almost that John Fox esque, like, very conservative approach and i mean that has worked for a lot of years in carolina but again the the way the nfl is now when you are in big games playing teams with massive high-powered offenses you can't you can't play that way it's gonna bite you in the ass and it will come up big in games like that so Hopefully, I'm hoping he starts to become a little bit more aggressive in that approach once he maybe maybe he's trying to feel the waters and test the waters. And then once he gets more comfortable, you'll see that. But that is one thing. And also, he needs to get better at challenges. I don't think he's won a challenge yet as a head coach. And he was in Arizona for an entire year, never won a challenge. And he has not won a challenge in Carolina. And he challenged, I believe, two of them last week. Was that right? This past Sunday? He challenged two calls, no. I think. Wasn't he it? Challenged one. Yeah, just the one. Okay. Well, and he did not succeed. So Yeah. <laughs> Get better at the challenges, damn it. But anyway, just just some nitpicky things. Let's talk about a report that came out this week. And you had texted me about it. And we were talking about it a little bit, but ESPN reported that the Panthers turned down two first round picks for Brian Burns. Mistake or not, would you have done it? Um, for me, uh, initially, you know, I I've been a vocal, um, I guess, <laughs> critic of Brian Burns more than any uh, regular Panthers fan, I would say, um, because I feel like Brian Burns at times in games disappears and he can be non-existent, and then he shows up and you know sacks Tom Brady, uh, but. Uh, I feel like he can be a double-digit sack producer. Uh, he hasn't done that up to this point in his career. And for me, if those, it depends on where those two first-round picks are and when they are. So if it was Philadelphia Eagles' two first-round picks, we get the Saints' first-round pick and their other one in the first, and the Saints' pick is going to be top ten. I would probably take that deal um, because, again, you get – ammo to move up if you need to um you get two two additional first round picks you can move up twice and you could take a quarterback and will anderson or, or something and you're gonna have to pay brian burns and the fact that the report came out and he you know he knows about it obviously he was asked about it and it said it made it made him feel good which is good for him and 
uh, everything, but he's gonna he's gonna command uh, a very big paycheck, and I just don't know if he's worth. Well, I know he's not worth being paid a top five defensive end in the league as it stands right now. He he hasn't shown that um, top fifteen, yes, uh, statistic wise. So I I would it I would tend to err on the side if you know if you would accept a contract that's not market doesn't reset the market and um and he wants to stay in Carolina and he and you know he he wants to build here for the future then maybe you don't take those two first round picks but if he's looking for a contract that's going to reset the market and you got offered a high first round pick and another first round pick I would take that if I was the GM yeah I, when we talked about it I was torn I think I said if if it was a top 10 first rounder at least I think that would be more enticing. I still don't know if I would do it. Um, I'm not giving you a great answer, but I just think I'm also trying to look up the stat sack leaders in the and, NFL. Yeah, right and, and and also we have to take into consideration that which also played probably played into the reason why they didn't accept it is if they trade Brian Burns, there are no sack producing defensive ends on this team. Brian Burns is the only edge defender that has a sack on this whole entire roster right now. So if they tried, so, if, if they traded Burns, then it would definitely be a fire cell tank. And I don't think they're, they're in that mode right now. Well, and I think this too, I think Brian Burns is one of their building blocks and no matter how much stock you want to put into that or what you, what you put value on that, they value that a lot. And he's one of probably the four or five. It's Burns, Brown, Chin, Horn, and DJ Moore, I would say. Is that the five? I think that's the five that I keep seeing. Yeah. Um, those guys, I mean, that's a pretty good core to build around. And you just mentioned it. They have no one on that defense line to get the sacks if you get rid of him. I mean, yeah, you have Derek Brown in there, but that really depletes that defensive line. I mean, completely. So, and pass rushers aren't, I mean, they're not coming out of the word work everywhere. I mean, that they're hard to find, the really good ones. And I feel like Brian Burns is a really good pass rusher. I don't, I don't want to put elite on the front of his name yet, but I think he's pretty damn close to that. Um, consistently you know, nine sacks seasons. I mean, you want to obviously have more than that. Uh, I think he gets there this year. And I think he has gotten miles and miles better in the run game. So there's some value there. Uh, Looking at his sacks right now, that's what was taking me a little bit and speaking a little word vomit before. But he's got five right now. He's 13th ranked. Uh, as far as sack is the sack leaders this year. So 13th, he's three and a half behind the leader. So definitely can get there. But if, if we want to look at sacks and then we want to go to pressures, which that might take me a little bit longer to pull up, I think he's near the top on that. So he's going to get paid a lot of money. I really hope Carolina didn't put that report out. I hope it was some other team that I'm sure it was maybe that put that out, but I hope, I hope it wasn't him. I hope it wasn't Carolina because I think you said this already that they are going to have to pay him a lot of money. Are you paying him? Are you paying him like a, are you going to reset the market for Brian Burns? If you're Carolina, do you have a choice? I don't think you have a choice. Yeah. You really don't now. Not, I mean, unless you you let him test free money. This is kind of agency. this is kind of McCaffrey. A couple years ago, you have him. He's playing really fucking well. Yep. Do you reset the market with running backs, or do you trade him? See, now I value DNs more than I value a running back. Yeah. So for me, I would say yes. You pay Brian Burns. And I also said, yes, you pay Christian McCaffrey a couple years ago because I thought he was a generational player. I thought he was more than a running back. 
looking at it hindsight 2020 should have traded Chris McCaffrey without a doubt. Um, Brian Burns, I think, again, I think pass rushers are hard to come by and they're hard to find the like elite ones. And I think he can be elite. Um, so yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, <laughs> they're, I mean, unless, unless someone comes out and has some crazy ass offer for him between now and November, what is it? First, first of the deadline. I think. Yeah. November 1st. I mean, they're they're You got, you have to pay him. I mean, you ain't letting that guy walk. There's no way in hell. So, yeah, I would pay him. Are you letting him walk? Don't say that stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's you're in a tough situation if you're Carolina. I think it depends on what he does this season, how he finishes. You franchise tag him. Yeah, I would probably I would probably roll with the franchise tag, uh, and and give him another year on that. But I just I don't know. It would be a very hard situation because. He's not up to the level of TJ Watt or Miles Garrett or anybody like that, but he is a very good defensive end. And I think that if he could get help on the defensive line like he had with Reddick last year, um, which that's a whole other issue where they never should have let Reddick go. Um, but if they if they can get him help, because Yitor Grosmatos is just a body out there. He he's just pitiful, just a bad football player. And I think Brian Burns would it would just open it up that much more for him because he's getting a, he's getting a lot of double teams and he's still producing at a high level, but I don't know. I, I, I probably would pay Brian Burns, I guess, uh, but paying him $20 million a year is going to hurt like hell. It's going to hurt you um, cap-wise, obviously, but um, you better hope that he continues to make growth and uh, and continue to get his sack numbers up. So Hurries, he has – he's third in the NFL at 20. He's only behind – Miles Garrett, elite. Micah Parsons, elite. pretty fucking close to that. Yeah, or elite if you want to say that already. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. Twenty-five, and actually he's tied with Micah Parsons. So it's twenty-five with Miles Garrett, and then Micah Parsons and him have twenty. So, and then sacks we we already discussed, and he's at it looks like. Well, PFF has him at 12, at five, with five sacks at 12th in the league. He's tied with Aiden Hutchinson and then Hassan Reddick. <laughs> Hassan Reddick's got five. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah. That'd be nice. It's like, I think we had a guy like that last year. Yeah, j- just about. <laughs> so, yeah, but just something to think about. I definitely think it, if, they didn't, if they didn't give up those or they weren't going to trade them, <laughs> You got you have no choice but to sign that guy. And if that comes in the form of a big ass contract or a franchise tag, we'll see what the market is for the the franchise tag for edge rushers next year. But I'm sure it's not cheap. So yeah. Lana, thoughts on that game? Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, Atlanta's got some injuries in the secondary. Uh, but they're a team that's playing well. Uh Atlanta's exceeded expectations and We've talked about it before, I think, on Twitter specifically, but they have the number one rushing attack in the NFL. They run the ball. They play action, and um, Mariota's been playing well, uh, really being a solid game manager um, and keeping Atlanta in most games. And they've had a couple comeback wins, I think. So it's not an easy win, not an easy game at all. Uh, Atlanta's going to – they're going to play hard, and uh, Carolina's going to have to come and – you know, strap up and, and give it their best. But I think I'm I'm back on the on the hype train here and I'm believing again. It, it doesn't take much for me because I want to so bad. But if Carolina can play like they did last weekend and and if they get JC Horn back, which I fucking hope so, playing eight out of twenty four games is pitiful so far. He has got to get on the field. Um but they get JC Horn back and you know that's going to help quite a bit, although Atlanta doesn't really have a great receiver besides Drake London, so um, not like Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or anybody like that. So that's going to help Carolina, but it, it Atlanta is a tough team, and uh, divisional games are always tough, and especially in Atlanta, Carolina has struggled winning, you know, historically. So I'll give my prediction at the end of after you're done, but 
I, I, I'm excited, and I wasn't excited this past weekend. I, I was just watching just to kind of maybe see a good play here or there from the defense, but I'm excited because I think Carolina has a chance to go to Atlanta and win, and we're all going to be watching Thursday night and pulling for Baltimore because if Baltimore beats Tampa Bay and the Panthers beat Atlanta, Carolina is going to be in sole possession at first place. So that's something that is not anything I would have thought is possible just a week ago. And to say that, and we all saw the video of Steve Wilkes in the locker room after the win, and Steve Wilkes got the game ball from David Tepper, and Steve Wilkes was emotional, and the players were just so happy. I really think that this that there's just a different feeling about this team now than there was under Matt Rule at really any point. And I think the players are going to play their hearts out for, for Wilkes because they want Wilkes to get a job, if not in Carolina, somewhere else. And – I'm just excited to see what they can put on tape and and give Atlanta hell. Yeah, I I mean I'm hopeful. Or no, I shouldn't say that. I'm I'm ho- I'm ho- I'm hoping they can go in there and win, but I'm still I'm still not convinced yet. I need to see another week of this. I want to make sure that this isn't just some fluke and you know PJ had a game and pulled it out of his ass and. You know, we get old PJ and he throws two or three interceptions like he did against the Lions in one of his starts. So I'm kind of just waiting and hesitant to be too excited um, for this team right now. I want to see it again this week before I can, you know, even come to grips of saying they're going to go out, go into Atlanta and beat them because it's divisional game. It's going to be tough no matter how bad Atlanta looks. It's a divisional game. It's going to be a tough one. So again, I hope it happens. I hope you're right. I hope your optimism is <laughs> carries over and to next week. And maybe then I'll be more optimistic. But as of right now, I just, I'm taking a very backseat approach with this team. Just watch them and see what happens. And if they win great, they don't. Well, oh well, get their one, they're one loss closer to the first round pick, but we'll see. I mean, if they if they can string together some wins here, then maybe I'll be a little bit more confident and have a little bit more um, optimism for PJ Walker. Again, he had a hell of a game, and I hope it continues this week. And best of luck to them. And I'll be happy to go to a game whenever they return to home. After Thursday this, night. is it? Is it so? It's Atlanta, then it's Cincinnati, Cincy, then Atlanta, right? That's the yeah. yeah, okay. At Atlanta, at Cincinnati, right? Or is Cincinnati home? No, it's in Cincy. And then the Thursday night game versus Atlanta, so uh, it'd be a night game, and hopefully we're coming back with some uh, with some hope. And my God, if they go to Cincinnati and beat Cincinnati, I'm gonna be ridiculous with the tape. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, Cincinnati just dogged Atlanta this past weekend, absolutely just poured it on them. I mean, uh, Joe Burrow had almost 400 yards at halftime passing. So <laughs> that's just, that's just a crazy situation, but I, I feel like we've switched places. I'm the hopeful one and you're the, uh, being pessimistic. So, uh, we, we are normally opposite of, of and <laughs> we're I, I on the same playing field. I, I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> I really don't. Oh man. What I'm curious is if Carolina does go in there and beat Atlanta, do we hear? Do we see Desmond Ritter for that Thursday night game? Yeah, that's a possibility. That would be interesting. That's just something to think about. Bryce, let's get a prediction here. What do you think in the game? Give me a score. Give me a give me a team who's going to win. Yeah, like we were just talking about, man. I am hopeful, and I, I think Atlanta is definitely a winnable game for Carolina. And I've seen it that way since the start of the season. Um, even when things were down, I thought Atlanta was – we could at least get one from them. So, coming off of last week, riding high, I'm not going to put myself down. I'm not going to put this team down because we really don't have many situations where we are hopeful in Carolina. And I'm going to take the Panthers to win, and I'm going to take them to go into Atlanta, control the line of scrimmage on both sides, because I think Carolina is more talented than Atlanta on almost every facet of the ball besides tight end, and I guess you could say quarterback, but quarterback doesn't really seem like it's that much of a gap anyways. But uh, I think Carolina wins uh, a close game because Atlanta is competitive. 
I'll say 24 to 17. You said 24-17 Carolina? Yep. Okay. Again, I hope they prove me wrong, but I would like to see another week of offensive success. So with that, looking at scores over the past weeks, Atlanta beat 49ers. They, then they got their ass kicked against Cincinnati. They did beat Cleveland just like Carolina. Um. And they played and they played a close game versus LA 27-31 way earlier in the year. Yeah. Um I'm gonna go low scoring. Carolina's under Wilkes held the Rams to 24. And then obviously this last week three defense is playing well. So I think it's gonna be low scoring. I'm gonna go 17-10 Atlanta wins the game. Um I hope I'm wrong, and I hope next week we come back and I can be more optimistic and we might be looking at a first place in the NFC South, which is fucking insane. But (laughs) that's where we are in this shit division this year. So (laughs) with that, I'm going to end it. We want to thank everyone for listening to the Panthers on Tap podcast. You can catch our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your analysis and breaking news. And as always, 